Welcome to the NL Full-Time Podcast. As Ron mentioned last week, he is away on holiday, so it's me, Luke Edwards, in the hot seat with you this week. And joining us, as always, we have the award-nominated from Off The Line blog. It's Joe Pope. Hello, Joe. Yeah, hi, Luke. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, nominated for a Football Content Award alongside our podcast. So, yeah, lots to uh, to look forward to. And nice to have you back on as the host. Double bubble. Can can Joe get a double sweep? <laughs> well, like, a, like a BAFTA winner, you know, a double BAFTA winner in the air with the three awards. On the regular yeah, season. well, given my... Uh, Given my luck of uh, supporting things that win, I doubt it. But um, yeah, we uh, hope we hope that I can get an award, and hopefully the pod gets an award as well. And also with us, we have Dicky Watt and the books writer himself. Hello, Dicky. Hi, Luke. Really good to see you. So we're going to look and start the National League as always at the top. Chesterfield carry on their merry way. They won two nil away at Boreham Wood, Liam Mandeville on 33 minutes, and then Joe Quigley, who's been much ridiculed by the Chesterfield fans over the last couple of seasons, found his scoring boots once again on 83 minutes to seal the win. And um, I suppose it helps for Paul Cook's side that people like Joe Quigley are chipping in. Yeah, well, when you've got a, a squad as good as they have, um, to have sort of the, the fringe players, likes of a Joe Quigley, stepping up and getting the goals that he is, uh, it's uh, certainly not too bad if you're Paul Cook. Um, I think that's a couple of goals he's got now. Um, all big goals as well um, near the end of the game. A couple of winners and obviously that one yesterday to make sure uh, of all three points. And um, yeah, another goal for, for Liam Mandeville as well. He started really well. And the fact that they go away to a, a Boreham Wood side who are quite tough to beat usually um, and come away with three points so easily, it, uh, it kind of you know sums up how well they've started. And they've actually got, I think, 38 points so far this season and Wrexham only had 33 uh, last season. Uh, at this stage last season. So, um, yeah, really good start for them and another good win. You say normally hard to beat Joe regarding Boreham Wood, but surprise, I mean, they've had bad runs under Luke Gower before, but you always feel to get out of it. But they've just not got going this season, have they? No, and I think it's when you've got a, a squad which is fairly settled and you don't, um, you know, you don't bring in too many uh, new signings in the summer. It's difficult to ask the same group of players to keep doing the same thing time after time. Um, and obviously they've got Jamal Falfield back now. Um, he's been out for injury. I do trust Luke Garrett to turn it around, but certainly their start's not been as good as they would have hoped for. In second place, it is Barnet. They they took part in the late game away at dark. And before the game, Mark White proudly declared that he'd never lost to Dean Brennan. And it was looking good when he went 2-0 up through Josh Taylor and Jason Pryor. And uh, I know, Joe, you were amused by uh, Mark White's in-game interview. And it all went a bit pear-shaped from there. Yeah, well, you know, it did start well. Uh, Josh Taylor obviously getting the opening goal on five minutes and then a lovely bit of play, it has to be said, from Dawkins for their second through Jason Pryor to put them 2-0 up and it looked plain sailing. Um, but as you say, I did find it funny. They went to uh, to Mark White during the game. Jeff Brazier said, uh, how pleased are you with your start, Mark? And he said, yeah, really pleased. He said, Barnett can't defend crosses. Uh, we're going to score another goal from crosses in this game. And uh, funny enough, Barnett's first goal came from a cross. So, um, yeah, it's um, a really good um, 
come back for Barnet. Um, they seem to just find a way at the moment. You know, we, we always use that phrase, but they keep doing it. You know, three goals in 15 minutes, another for Kabamba, another for Hartigan. Um, he's really impressed so far this season for Barnet. And um, Mark Watt would be disappointed naturally to be 2 0 up at home, albeit with 70 minutes left, to be 2 0 up and lose. Be very disappointed, but for for Brennan, as you say, first win against Mark White, and uh, yeah, they're certainly on the uh, coattails of Chesterfield. Yeah, and Barnet. I mean, they, they they were okay. They did well last year. They're always in and around the playoffs, Joe. But they seem to have gone one better this year, and especially with the squad they've got as well. I mean, it's not the most eye catching, is it? But Nicky Kabamba's flying, which helps as well. Yeah, well, I think you know with Barnet, they've recruited smartly. Um, you know, they haven't perhaps gone out and got the biggest names, but they've got people that fit the system. Um, you know, Sam Beard came back into the team yesterday. He's been out on loan at, at Eastbourne under his dad, Mark. Um, Callum Stead came off the bench at half time. He was recruited from National League North and he made a big difference. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, they, they've added really well. Um, Hartigan's one of those um, kind of going nowhere before joining Barnet, and uh, he's come in on a free and looked really, really good in the middle. So, uh, yeah, they've added smartly, and that's uh, paid off so far. In the other playoff spots, you've got Solihull Moors, Altrincham, Bromley, Gateshead, and Hartlepool. A surprising look to that table. Certainly after 15 games, normally you think, well, it's early on, but we are 15 games in now, so the table is starting to take shape. Solihull Moors, though, did lose at home. They lost 1-0 to Aldershot, which is why uh, Rob's not here. He's been told to stay away forever now, I think. Uh, if he stays away, Aldershot will get promoted. Lauren Tollage with the goal on 61 minutes. And Aldershot, I think I think the lead table's upside down, Joe, because it says they're in ninth here. Yeah, well, they, they've started really, really well. Um, you know, you've got to hand it to Tommy Widrington. Um, they've recruited really well. Um, I've actually got a piece tomorrow uh, talking about how well they've recruited uh, this season on my blog. And it's one of those that they've added in the summer that scored the winning goal for them yesterday, Laurent Tolage, um, obviously formerly of Salford and, and Brighton's under-21s. He's come in, a couple of goals now for him. And uh, I think the big thing for Tommy Widrington that will really impress him is the fact they've actually kept a clean sheet uh, for once, a uh, big clean sheet on the road for them. Jordi van Stapperhoff, the goalkeeper's first clean sheet for older shot. And um, yeah, you know, they're, they're doing really nicely. And I think Tommy Widrington, uh, I said this to Rob in the, uh, the group chat, that Tommy Widrington will back himself and he will love being that little terrier on the uh, coattails of the playoffs, trying to nip at their heels and make a little play for the top seven. But uh, yeah, good win. Altrincham, as I mentioned there in fourth, they won 2-0 away at Gateshead, who are also in form. Justin Amaluza, former shots player, of course. He got them off the mark two minutes into the second half. And then Justin Donower in the 93rd minute. And, and Dickie, that's a really good result, that, for Altrincham, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really good result for Altrincham, given the form that Gateshead had been in lately and the, and the, the, the style of football that Gateshead had been playing as well. Very attractive. Um, I think 
most people might have put that down as a home win yesterday, but credit to Phil Parkinson and his side up to fourth in the table um, and, and Gateshead six. I mean, that, that incredible to think of Altrincham versus Gateshead as a top six clash. And we are still, you know, relatively early in the season. But I think both of those teams with the start that they've made can definitely be looking up the table rather than looking down, which is, you know, fantastic progress for them. Um Oh, altering them a, a fairly only fairly recently full time, and and they they do seem to be able to cope with the fact that you know they 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 lose players that and and Gates said similarly you know both teams have have been somewhat hamstrung by the fact that they seem to discover stars who then move on, but they've been able to find you know replacements who've come in and 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 been able to pick up where they've left off, which is is great credit to both managers. Yeah, Joe, it goes back. To, I mean, you mentioned about Aldershot's recruitment, but it's the same with Altrincham, isn't it? They lose a player, they seem to get a good fee from, but then they reinvest it so well, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, they've invested that well to get Chris Con Clark. That seems to be the, the really good investment. But, you know, two players yesterday that scored, um, I think they had to, to pay for both of those players, both of the Justins, Amaluza and Danoa. Um, and yeah, you know, Phil Parkinson said in the summer that he wanted some more speed on the right hand side to give them a little bit more threat and both of them scored and both of them are brought in to do that. So, um, yeah, really good uh, investment and recruitment for, for Phil Parkinson. Bromley are in fifth place, Adrian 2-2 with York. Uh, a good result that far, improving York. Yeah, certainly. I think um, Neil Ardley will be pleased. Um Perhaps disappointed as well because they were winning until the 95th minute. Um, but if you'd have offered him at the start of the day to get a point uh, at home against Bromley, one of the big hitters, um, then he'd have certainly uh, taken that. Um, that's now, I think, 15 or certainly 14 uh, goal involvements for Dippo Akinyemi this season. So virtually won a game for him. Uh, he's been a real revelation up top for them, albeit um, off the back of good investment to land him, so you'd hope he'd repay you. Um, and uh, Lionel John Lewis, the shop, got another goal for, for the Minster men yesterday as well. So, um, yeah, a point that keeps them ticking along quite nicely and um, they'll be they'll be pleased with that. Yeah, and the final team in the playoffs at Hartlepool, I mean, they've had a bit of stick off the fans. I, I think it was only a couple of weeks ago where they kept the first clean sheet under John Asker. Then they had a couple of iffy results, but they certainly comfortably put aside easily in the end, certainly in the second half, the Tom Crawford had opened a score and Chris Maguire equalised and then two Emmanuel Disaruve goals in the second half saw them win by three goals to one and um, John Askey knows this league so you wouldn't bet against them would you? No, absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I said they might struggle. Um, they had a couple of players out uh, of late, Daniel Dodds, Anthony Mancini, uh, one or two others as well. And I thought they might struggle for a little period. But John Uskey's so experienced that he knows how to, uh, you know, turn it around. And when you've got a player like Manny Dizarufi at the top end of the pitch, then you're always going to stand a chance. You know, gr granted, it's not the best of football, but, you know, when you've got people like David Ferguson whipping balls in and you've got Dizarufi up top, then you're going to have a chance. The only, the only caveat I'd say with that, Joe, is it's probably looking more like playoffs for Hartlepool. It just depends which playoff position they can finish in because they're currently 13 points behind Barnett in second place and then a further three points ahead of Chesterfield. So that's a massive mountain to climb for them. And already you're looking at Chesterfield 
possibly just down to Solihull as title contenders. And then after that, it's looking like just playoffs, isn't it? Yeah, for me personally, I would just say Chesterfield and Barnet. Um, personally, just just because I think Chesterfield will win it. I think, granted, it's very close at the moment, but I think they will win it between, you know, seven to ten points at the end. Um, I think, you know, the, the squad that they've got and the start they've been on and the fact they haven't really got going yet. Some of their fans say they haven't been overly amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's between those two teams. Um, but, yeah. Early days-ish, but we have obviously played a, a fair number of games to, to form a picture. Yeah, Halifax going well as well. They're just one point outside the playoff places. They won 2-0 two, two, away at Ebbsfleet. Uh, and a man you know well, Dickie, Adam Senior opened a score in there. Yes, uh, Adam Senior had a spell with um, FC Telford uh, and did very well for them. But I think there was always a feeling that... Um, I think his club Bolton Wanderers at the time were looking to um, loan him out higher up. It was it was clear that he, um, you know, he was well above the standard of, of National League North and a struggling National League North team. So it isn't a surprise that he's gone in at Halifax and done so well. Uh, they like their seniors in defence there, don't they? They had Jack as well last season. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's he. I guess that made him senior junior possibly, seeing as he'd been there last time. But Plenty yeah, senior he's, moments uh, as well. Plenty of senior moments, indeed. I, I'm well aware of those, uh, given my own impending, uh, no, my my own increasing age, Luke. Um, no, I've done well to remember their names, actually. Um, but no, uh, it it isn't a surprise to see them doing uh, him him doing well. You know, he he did always look um, as if he had a lot of uh, ability and something about him. So yeah, yeah. And the second goal there came from Aaron Cosgrave. Don't write off Rochdale yet. They had a slow start, didn't they, Joe, to the season? And they're just ticking along nicely. And we've seen many teams who've been relegated into the National League befell the perils of Maidenhead. But they actually did well to get a point there in the end, didn't they? Yeah, I certainly don't think you can turn your noses up at a point away at Maidenhead. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that have come a cropper there. Um, and the fact that they were in front and then found themselves behind with five minutes left to come away with a point still uh, is credit to them. And and I have been impressed with them so far. Jim McNulty's doing quite a good job there. I think, you know, perhaps going to be a, a playoff spot for them if they can get one. But um, yeah, um, two goals, two players that have really impressed Cairo Mitchell. He seems to be like a new player after signing for them. And Tyrese Sinclair was someone we saw last year for Altrincham. He's been like a... Well, he's been their key player so far, I think, and uh, another goal for him. So that's, uh, yeah, good point on the road. But for Maidenhead, it seems like there's uh, quite a bit of progress in recent weeks, even if the results haven't shown it. Quite a lot of players injured, um, but they keep ticking along point here, point there. So, uh, yeah, good point for both, I think. Woken beaten at home by, I think we can call a now rejuvenated South End, especially with the uh, takeover news. I'll come to you in that in a minute, Dickie. Um and we'll get your thoughts on Woken in a minute, Joe. But I'll let you take the goal scorers because your mate got on the score sheet, didn't he? Yeah, my mate, Gus Scott Morris, got the second. Um, yeah, a, a, a good win for them on the road. Look at his and, little uh, face when he's saying I know. That <laughs> he, uh, yeah, it's, it's a uh, good goal and good, good win for them. Another clean sheet. Um, and another goal for Harry Carwell as well, someone that Dickie would have seen in the National League North with Chorley. Um, you know, what a, what a pick he seems to have been from John Still. John Still always finds a striker 
to turn into an absolute powerhouse. And uh, he's done it again by the looks of it. And for Woking, they just can't win at home. You know, every time they play at home, they always struggle. Um, and, um, you know, a bit like Halifax, who we just said, got a, a win uh, better away. And, um, yeah, good win for Southend. And I, I don't think once the embargo is lifted, then you can look past them being in the playoffs. I really don't. I think they've got a brilliant squad. Um, and, uh, yeah, really good times, hopefully, for Southend. Yeah, you mentioned Cardwell on the score sheet, Joe. One card who isn't, who won't be feeling very well is Darren Sahl at the minute. He'll be scratching ahead, won't he? Yeah, and um, I think there's quite a bit of pressure on him um, to to try and get them uh, up in and around the, the promotion spots, um, given the investment that they've had in the summer. Um, it just seems a little bit disjointed at the moment for me. They keep sw- swapping between a four at the back and a five at the back, players going in, and they've had quite a few players um, uh, coming in and out of the club in recent weeks. So not a lot of stability there for me, for a manager that likes that. So, um, yeah, not... Uh, not the best of starts for them. Dickie, Southend, no good Good news, hopefully, for them off the pitch is coming. Yeah, I mean, we, we had word sort of like on the grapevine started to circulate last week that um, with another date in, in court due on Wednesday that there was good news on the way for Southend. It's taken an awful long time um, and Southend fans have really been through the ringer on this one but it does at last look like there's resolution to this um, Justin Reese is the head of a consortium of um, fans and uh, who've, who've, who've basically come in and, and, and bought the club it is still subject to due diligence at the moment um, but there are some lifelong Southend fans in that group so you, you know you've got the feeling that there are people with the club's best interest at heart who are involved um, they were able to um, see off the um, uh, winding up petition it was due to be heard on Wednesday that bill got paid so that didn't get to court um, yeah and Southend have been able to celebrate um, they had a, a victory over Oxford City on Tuesday night, on the night it was announced, um, and then followed that up with another victory yesterday. So, and we've seen some South End fans very optimistically, sort of like thinking that you know now they're they're going to start splashing money around on some big signings and things like that, and really go for it. You know, we would all love to see South End do well after this, after what their fans have been through. But I think there is a little bit of just learning to sort of like um, walk you before you can run. But then again, with the way that the team have played when they've been under this pressure, you just think to yourself, freed of that pressure, you know, what what might they be capable of? Or was it conversely, was it the pressure that was making them, binding them together and helping them get those results? We'll only see in time, won't we? But the, the great news for Southend is, is pending that uh, uh, due diligence being done, the club um, is saved and the club is no longer under the ownership of Ron Martin, which I think is is the biggest thing. Yeah, Joe, it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because the squad they've got is actually is, is really good. The way they've sort of, we mentioned it before, they've plucked from North and South some of the best players. And it's basically, they just need numbers, strength in depth to help rotate that squad. Um, if they start to do that, that's when the pressure does build on Kevin Maher, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, they, they have had to pack their squad out um, where they can just to get numbers in the building. Maro Valete joined recently. He's on dual registration, I believe, from Hayes and Yedding. Um, and they had to actually bring in another goalkeeper on the weekend, their third of the season. But um, David Martin's injured now. Um, just after they brought in Colin Adengadai, they've now got David Martin out. So Nick Hayes on loan from Ipswich at the weekend. But I, I do have a lot of trust in uh, Southend that they will do well. You know, they've got people there, not just on the field, but off the field and behind the scenes that know that, you know, how to do well. John Still, um, Darren Curry, Mark Bentley, people like that, that, that know this level. So um, I think they'll be fine. And I think if they can bring in a couple of players, then they will uh, be up in and around that playoffs come the end. I think one thing that, I think one thing that might count in Southend's favour going forward from here as well is having been through the, the toughest of times here, I would think the fans are going to be more able to cope with the fact that they might get the odd bad result here and there. Do you know what I mean? The, 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 the kind of things that other fans from other clubs, um, you know, have them, you know, protesting and and, and the, the whomever out hashtags flying around on Twitter. I don't think you can get, get that at Southend. I think they've got an awful lot of credit in the bank and um, the likes of Kevin Marr and his staff because of what they've been through. And I think the Southend fans um, will, you know, give them the time that they need to to really get this moving in the right direction now. Yeah, talking of uh, a Reese, it was Josh Reese who was on the score sheet. Friend of the podcast, he got a point for Dagenham and Redbridge away at Oldham after James Norwood had given him the lead. Uh, Dagenham and Redbridge still in the bottom four, Oldham creeping up the table. And again, Oxford City, they beat AFC Fylde, who were having a torrid time of it down at the bottom of the table. But still a fantastic season having so far Oxford City. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Ross Jenkins is doing an unbelievable job there. Um, one of the smaller squads in the league. Um, he, he did actually manage to add two players to his squad at the weekend. Uh, Mitchell Roberts and Rafferty Pedder. Uh, they came in and I think both of them were in the squad on the first day uh, or, or on Saturday. And um, yeah, o Oxford City are really impressed, you know, that their football um, and they look to be just ticking along quite nicely. Um, as for FC Fylde, um, uh, the big problems for, for me, certainly looking in from an outsider, the fact that they've gone from having such an established, experienced side full of people that have been in the league and done well. And within weeks of the start, we've seen Adam Murray virtually rip that to pieces, bring in a whole load of youngsters. And when I see that happening, you think, is he certainly, is he losing a little bit of faith and respect from the established part of that dressing room? And it's just going for a bunch of kids. Um, certainly that, for me, uh, would uh, be the way I look at it. But um, yeah, not good for them. But yeah, Dickie, yeah. You, worry, you worry for Adam yeah. Murray, don't you, a bit as well, don't you? Uh, yes, uh, worry for Murray, indeed. That might be a podcast title there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Oxford City, First of all, great result for them yesterday. They are ticking over nicely. I think it's more of a time bomb that's ticking at Fylde at the moment. And you got the feeling that Adam Murray's probably sat on it. Um, you do have a look through the side that started the game yesterday. Um, I know one thing that seems to puzzle Fylde fans is um, why Kieran Glynn is consistently sat on the bench when, you know, they saw him in pre-season like what they saw. He was such a key figure for Scarborough last season and, and they brought him across and yet he doesn't seem to be able to get into the side. I mean, these are... 
thing is we only see the fans only see what happens in 90 minutes on a Saturday and a, or, or midweek you know the manager sees these players during the week so we we have to trust that they you know are seeing the right things from them in training as well to put them in the side but yeah it's not looking good for fall they're certainly um underperforming um where I expected them to be. I thought I didn't expect them to be sort of like going for playoffs or anything like that, but I certainly thought they'd be good enough for a mid-table, comfortable finish. The thing I would add on that is if you're going to struggle in the National League, obviously it is a tough league. The one thing you don't do is keep changing your defence. You know, you look at the likes of Boreham Wood, they, even if it's struggling, they keep the same back back five, whereas AFC filed, they're chopping and changing, players coming in left, right and centre, Kyron Gordon, I think Max Conway came in on the weekend, he was at, at Rochdale, um, left back, and um, yeah, it just doesn't seem the stability that you would want to try and get yourself out of problems. Yeah, having having seen how filed have started the season and also the struggles Kidderminster have had as well, there have been some you know, reasonable suggestions that, you know, perhaps the National League North itself last season wasn't the strongest if Foyle um, could win that. I wouldn't say comfortably, and they did pull away from Kings Lynn in the end, but, you know, for them to to step up and then find it such a struggle um, does suggest that they, you know, they perhaps maybe weren't tested as much as they needed to be last season. They're certainly being tested now. Yeah, you mentioned Kinnamister today, Dickie. A welcome win for them, a last-minute winner for them on Saturday. And they kept a clean sheet, and Russ Penn's been talking about the performances that have been coming, and that'll be a massive relief for him. It will. Um, goals have been very, very hard to come by, especially at Agbar. I think they started the season with three goalless draws at home, um, which, you know, the majority of your fans see you playing at home and if they're not seeing, if they're not being entertained, if they're not even seeing the side particularly having a go, that's going to be worrying. Um, they did manage to keep another clean sheet yesterday, and thankfully they got one of their own. Amari Morgan Smith, a player I know well, um, he notched that goal for them. Um, they have been struggling for goals. I mean, I, I can't um, see him necessarily being prolific at that level. You might think if he gets on a good run, you might get eight, ten out of him but you're going to need somebody else and I know Ashley Hemmings was usually the man last season he struggled as well um, which uh, is a surprise but you know it's a positive result that will give Russ Penn a little bit of breathing space and a little bit of time you've certainly got things like the FA Cup coming up soon and we saw how the FA Cup you know um, lit the blue touch paper on Kidderminster season a couple of seasons ago so maybe it can do the same again we're going to look now at the National League North. And uh, first of all, a special mention to the podcast that you did, Dickie. A special for us where you were chatting with Matt Ellis from the Iron Brew podcast, part of Scunthorpe United. And uh, I know you did that at the beginning of the week. We put it out in the middle of the week. And as soon as we put it out, um, there was good news on the Scunthorpe United front, a bit like South End this week. Yeah, there absolutely was. I mean, it, 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 I suppose it was this was almost typical that we should do that and, and and then there should be good news for Scunthorpe. But we don't mind. Uh, we would rather uh, our podcast look a little bit um, behind the times and out of date uh, and Scunthorpe be saved rather than sort of like think, oh, no, that's ruined it because th- the last thing we want is uh, is for that to happen. Uh, uh, Michelle Harness 
is the name of the former commercial director who has taken over as the new owner of Scunthorpe United. Don't know too much of the details around this. It might be possibly be good to get Matt back on at some point when the dust has settled a little bit. Um, but by my understanding, um, uh, uh, the previous owner, David Hilton, has stepped away. He is not asking for any of the money back that he has put into the football club. He's just decided to walk. Uh, and Michelle Harness has taken over. And a, a great wave of optimism um, has greeted this in Scunthorpe, understandably so. Uh, g- given, you know, the owners that they've had in the past, you know, we can understand that a little bit of wariness around this. And, and you know, I guess with any, anybody taking over a new football club, it's, you know, the, the, the moves they make and the, and the, uh, the, the, the things they do to uh, reassure the fan base um, that, that really count, isn't it? Um, but yeah, great, great to see that, that there's some positive news there. Yeah, good news at Scunthorpe. We've got a harness around them anyway, haven't you now? So, yeah, the, the thing I would say on that is that you would hope that it's a um, a takeover that's got the best interest of the football club at heart. Michelle Harness has apparently been um, in a role, uh, various roles, but in a role for the last 15 years or 15 years in total at Scunthorpe. So you would imagine she's, uh, you know, got the club at. at at heart, which is the main thing. And and also, with her being commercial director, she'll know who to target from a business point of view, who might invest into the club as well. Uh, so all that all that bodes well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you want someone behind the scenes that knows how to run a football club at the end of the day. And um, she certainly uh, appears to be well qualified in that regard. So, um, yeah, hopefully it works out because uh, if they can get that going and, uh, you know, get Jimmy Dean back, because uh, he's not been well, so we give him our best regards. He's had a, an operation and then gone back into hospital uh, and wasn't there on Saturday. But uh, if they can get that going again, then uh, they can do well. Yeah, and Dickie, I don't know if the uh, the Glanford Park situation's been sorted out as well, or are we still kind of in the dark on that? That's something I'm not quite sure of, I have to say, um, because that that was very murky anyway the fact that peter swan the former owners uh company seemed to be the owners of that and whatever deal might have been done around that isn't it's not clear to me certainly i've i've not um, dug enough into that to be able to say to be perfectly honest um which again might be white might be quite good to get matt back on in a few weeks when the dust has settled um to just sort of fill us in on you know where they are now you know it was Clearly, it was great that we spoke to him when when things were weren't going well, um, and and a fantastic effort from from him. Um, and I think there was another podcast involved too with Scunthorpe that that joined forces to raise. I think they got something like upwards of sixty thousand um, pounds for potentially paying the the, the staff, etc. What that money will now be used for now that Michelle Harness has come in again, I'm not quite sure. Joe might have a an idea on that. Yeah, Jimmy Dean put out a, a letter from his hospital bed thanking everybody uh, and says that it will now be used and he will split it evenly between every member of staff at Scunthorpe, be it someone in the kitchens or on the front desk or in the car park attendant. Um, so, yeah, looks like it's going to be uh, put to good cause. And. The new era got off to a great start as well. They were a 1-0 win at home to Brackley. Jacob Butterfield with the only goal there on the hour mark. But at the top, Dickie, 
I don't think we'd have predicted this, would we, at the start of the season? Newly promoted Tamworth, a flying eight, another good win for them, 4 0 against Darlington on Saturday. Yes, uh, I guess this goes to show what what momentum from a promotion can can get for you. You know, Tamworth uh, are, are motoring away um, at at the top of the division. They certainly, I don't think, have any worries about returning to uh, to where they uh, came from. Um, I, I think they're they're going to be perfectly safe and can definitely be um, looking up and seeing you know what's achievable this season. I did have a, a quick exchange of words with their goalkeeper Jazz Singh in the week and asked him potentially about coming on the podcast to tell us how well they were doing. He said, "Can we leave it till Christmas just so we can see?" You know, he didn't want to jinx it, which I can absolutely understand. Um, but yeah, they're they're going like a train at the moment. They had a goal from Jamie Willits to get them on their way yesterday against Tamworth, uh, and then a second goal from Nathan Chicken. I struggle with this one. Um, <laughs> and my apologies to Nathan for this. Nathan Chikuna, I think, with the silent T. Ben Milnes, then he's a, a very fine player. He got their third goal in the second half. He's their captain. And Kyle Finn, uh, former Hereford player, adding the fourth in the uh, 90th minute. Pretty uh, poor result for Darlington, that one. I mean, it is still early days under um, new manager Josh Gowling there. Um, they lost in the FA Cup the, the previous week. So there's still a lot of work to do at Darlington for him. And, and I I can't imagine as it would have been a great bus journey home last night, but you know when you're going away to the league leaders, I don't think it's necessarily a surprise that you, you get beat. Yeah. And, uh, Jazz Singh obviously listens to his podcast in the past because he knows there's a, there's a curse on it if you come on when you're doing well. So, uh, yeah. He's, <laughs> He's a very that. wise man. He's a very wise man. He is indeed. Yeah. In second place is Spennymore, who seemed to have settled down after that managerial upheaval in the last couple of weeks. Guess who? Glenn Taylor. He was on the score sheet. He got a couple along with Will Harris as they beat Rushall by three goals to nil. And in third place, it's South Shields. He got knocked out of the FA Cup rather surprisingly last week at Lake Town. They only drew nil-nil at home to Hereford. And uh, Paul Caddis was very quite emotional at the end, you know, in the way he talked. He was very chest-thumping in the way he said how proud he was of his side. But uh, a really good point that for Hereford on the road. It is a good point. You know, the the, the distance involved um, to go all the way up there. Um, I, I know that the clubs in the northeast of England uh, do have that kind of travelling for an awful lot of the away games that they do. Um, but it is that thing of, I guess they are to a certain extent used to it. Um and it's one of the longest journeys there. So given Hereford's form uh, and given that you might have expected a reaction from South Shields to that FA Cup defeat last week, they're probably smarting from that and wanted to come out and, and show that that wasn't what they were all about um, and, and you know, further strengthen their promotion challenge. That is a good point for Hereford. Yeah, and Scunthorpe, as we mentioned with that win, they are now in fourth. They are level on points with South Shields. In fifth, it is... Curzon Ashton, just below them, level on points at Charlie. Um, both of those sides had good results on Saturday. Curzon Ashton beat Boston United at home by three goals to one, and Charlie won away at Gloucester. Uh, two sides who, well, Charlie, I mean, have been good in the past, but obviously they've kind of slimmed back a little bit, haven't they, Dickie? And maybe not people are expecting to challenge as much in the same with Curzon, but both are in there. They are. Curzon Ashton particularly, I mean, given, again, that they've had some upheaval recently with Adam Lakeland, 
leaving his position as manager to go to Kings Lynn. Um, Craig Marne has got the role um, uh, on a, an interim basis. Whether he would want the job full time uh, or, or or permanently, um, it remains to be seen. But he, he he seems very proud of the fact that he's been. Uh, Put in charge of that one, and the players are responding to him. Goals yesterday: Devin Matthews and Alex Kenyon had them two 0 up by half time um, against a Boston side who I saw last week at Rushall. Isaac Sinclair with a goal in the 53rd minute, making it three 0 and then a late Michael Bostwick consolation to make it three one. Disappointing result that for Boston. Um, I think they would have hoped to have gone there and done better, but yeah, um, the. the Curzon Ashton just keep on going. As for Chorley, yeah, I mean, Chorley had, again, some ownership changes over the summer. Um, and I know that Jamie Vermiglio is now the, the chairman of the board at Chorley, which was a, an interesting one and might be interesting to have a word with Jamie at some point to ask him, you know, how that's going. And it's, uh, uh, I don't suppose it was a complete surprise to win away at Gloucester yesterday. Gloucester are struggling somewhat. Um, they had goals from Jack Sampson and Justin Johnson just four minutes apart in the first half. 32nd and 36 minutes put them into a 2-0 lead. And um, yeah, surely very hard side to break down or certainly have been in the past. And Gloucester weren't able to do it. Yeah, Buxton are in seventh. They won three, went away at Kings Lynn, and there was a great start on Twitter that Christian James sent us, friend of the podcast. He said, with Buxton now in seventh, every National League NAR side has occupied a promotion, playoff, or relegation spot this season. Bonkers. Wow. It is, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, I suppose the points differential at this point of the season between top and bottom means that can happen um but yeah it, it is an incredible uh start that one not a great start to adam lakeland's uh reign as the manager at king's lynn uh he saw ewan McEwen, uh the fantastically named buxton forward uh, and he spells both his ewan and his McEwen differently um uh, <laughs> uh, he put them into the lead in the 55th minute there was an equalizer from cameron hargreaves um within a quarter of an hour but then Diego de Girolamo, what a surprise. And Scott Bowden, something of a forgotten man at Buxton. He's not been hitting the target. He's not really been starting that many games either, but he um, got their third goal in injury time to round off a nice 3-1 win for Craig Elliott's team. Yeah, Cameron Hargreaves, son of Chris, of course, who we uh, have on this podcast a lot. And uh, he's uh, off the mark for Kingsland this season. A surprising result that's just caught my eye, Dickie, and, and, and Scarborough doing that well this year. Uh, they lost 2-1 at home to Farsley, who were going well under Clayton Donaldson, going under the radar a little bit there. 2-1 win for Farsley away at Scarborough. It was a goal by Joao Silva with the winner there, which means that Farsley are above Scarborough now. They're in, they're in 12th on 16 points. Alfreton are in 8th. They're on 18. Adrian 1-1 at home to Warrington. And uh, we also had Banbury and Blythe drawing nil-nil. Bishop Stortford and Southport played out an entertaining game as well down there in the South. I'll just call it the South because they are very South. Yeah, um, just touching back on that Scarborough and Farsley game, it might have been a bit of a revenge mission for Farsley because they played one another in the FA Cup just a couple of weeks ago. Um, it went to a replay. Scarborough put Farsley out in the second game there, 3-0. So Farsley perhaps... Um, First of all, they've had two looks at them 
recently to sort of like work out you know a plan against them and they went there and executed that well yesterday uh, yeah you spoke about that bishop stortford game yesterday uh one of the highest scoring games in the division um Really unfortunate for for Bishop Stortford. You know, again, we've spoken about them making their, their home territory a, a a fortress if they're going to um, uh, compete in in National League North. Um, there were goals from uh, Mike O'Neill for Southport after just three minutes. Bishop Stortford replied through Andre Godfrin, uh, and then then they took the league. Giovanni McGregor giving them the lead three minutes into the second half. But uh, yeah, Southport stuck with it, came late. Josh Hamami got them level on 68th minute and Jack Bainbridge um, scored in the 81st minute to secure another really good three points for Jim Bentley's team, who's certainly seeing an upturn under their new manager. Yeah, and you mentioned a high-scoring game, a giant equal high-scoring game with Chester and Peterborough Sports. Peterborough Sports led 2-0 in that one. Michael Gash and Josh McCannamon having them 2-0 up it was a goal back just before half-time by Charlie Kate, And then in the second half, Adam Thomas. And then a goal four minutes from time from Reese Daly. Saw a dramatic win for Chester, which she's then moved up the table there. They're lower down, I think, than people expected as well. I think they are. Um, I think there have been a few personnel losses at Chester, which have... Um, they had a good mix of youth and experience last season and I think some of the experienced players have moved on to join their their former managers uh, Anthony Johnson and Bernard Morley at Radcliffe at step three so again they are a little bit more reliant on that youth now but they've still got the likes of uh, George Glendon there and Declan Weeks that midfield duo so you know they've not been completely stripped of of that kind of nous that they had last season but they have been finding it a little bit more difficult 14th in the table um Again, with the points difference, you wouldn't if they got on a run, you would wouldn't rule them out of certainly being the playoff places. If the sides at the top keep on picking points as as they are, you would think that Chester's automatic promotion chances are they're certainly slimmer than they were when the season began. But um, yeah, that they, they are picking up from after a poor start. The Banbury Blythe game that was the the only uh, and well it wasn't the only goalless draw of the, uh, of the day but a nil nil Blythe's first clean sheet away from home this season. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point for Blythe given again the distance involved um, and you know they needed disappointment as well. Oh, you know given that they got an absolute tonking in midweek and lost five nil at Worksop in their FA Cup replay. I mean we did think potentially they were up against it. Having to go to workshop in a in a second game, having drawn up in the northeast, but I don't think any of us necessarily saw a five nil coming. I know Liam Hughes was on target for workshop, a player uh, well known at step two. Um, uh, he got a couple in in that five nil, but I mean that will please Graham Fenton that they've they've gone there and they've shown some character and they've come away with that with a point. You know, it it, it doesn't make the FA Cup exit that much easier to bear. But I suppose it shows that there's a little bit of character in his side that they've gone there and 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 dug in. Excellent. Well, let's head south now and look at the National League South. And in the National League South, top for the first time this season, it's uh, Yeovil. They're level on points with Tartan. And uh, I know Rob Joe will be looking for the next episode and they'll see if they'll push on from that but uh, currently it is Yeovil who are top on goal difference as I say 3-1 win against Averley yeah really good win for Yeovil um, and they seem to be sort of clicking into gear now um, especially in front of goal 
Jordan Young got their second. He's been probably the best player for them this season. And I'd probably go as far as to say the best player in the division, actually. Um, he's really, really impressed me so far. Uh, two goals for Reese Murphy either side of him um, to uh, make it 3-0 at half-time. Averley did manage to pull a goal back through Charlie Hughes, formerly of Wildstone, uh, but uh, it wasn't to be for them as they slipped to a 3-1 defeat. And uh, I resisted the urge to do an Aaron McLean and say good luck shifting them now. Uh, but uh, I think Yeovil, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it would be close between Torquay and Yeovil at the start. And from what I've seen so far, I would be very surprised if anyone can shift the oval uh, off top spot by the end. And Dickie, there was a, another thing that amused you from that game, wasn't there? Yes, I think uh, Nana came on to replace Dada, which is great. It sounds like something from a Janet and John book, but with no offence to the players involved, clearly those are the, the, the names they were they were born with. And, and you know, that, but even they've got to admit there's a bit of a funny side to that. Yeah, Tartan, I mean, if they'd have won away at Dover, they would be top outright, so... They'll be disapp- They'll be pleased that they're in second, but they'll be slightly disappointed as well, won't they, Joe? Yeah, um, I think they'll be pleased with a point on the road, to be honest, um, especially given how the equaliser came about. An absolute thumping strike from distance from Hatcher for Dover. Um, unstoppable strike, really, uh, past Dan Lavercombe, who's been in really good form for Taunton, former Torquay man. And, um, yeah, Taunton have been really good this season. I, I, you know, I've sung the praises of Rob Dre last season. I think he does a fantastic job. Uh, goals from Jay Fulston and Ross Stern turned the game on its head um, after Peter Ogerman had given Dover the lead. And uh, yeah, Taunton are, are really, really impressed me. And they've got a couple of players out injured as well. So they'll only get better, I think. So um, yeah, good point for them. And Bath are another team who could have gone top, but they were pegged back in the 94th minute by Aaron Blair for Braintree. And again, uh, a missed opportunity for Bath potentially. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, missed opportunity for Bath. I think, um, you know, leading uh, with only a couple of minutes left on the clock, they'd have been disappointed not to come away uh, with all three points. Another goal for Scott Wilson. He can't stop this season. Uh, he, he keeps scoring every week. Good way for him to uh, sign off by becoming a permanent iron there by getting a goal. Maidstone there, they moved up into fourth. Uh, they won away at Torquay, Joe, and I know... Uh, chatting in the group, you can't really repeat what was said about the performance, but uh, give it your best shot. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't. I, I wasn't wholly surprised, if I'm honest, um, against the Maidstone side, who um, they've got some really good, quick players in their side. Um, and everything Talky seem to do at the moment is slow. You know, we defend slow, we pass slow, we think slow, we just, everything's slow. And I expected Maidstone to come to play more, make it really difficult for us, uh, move the ball quickly and we'd struggle. Um, And they did, you know, perhaps not their best performance of the season, but certainly to come away to Torquay, one of the fancy teams, and get a win. Uh, They'll be pleased um, against 10 men. Ross Marshall sent off in the first half. He has been a rejuvenated man of late. Obviously, he struggled last season, but he's been really good of late. Uh, That'll be disappointing for him after what I can only describe as an absolutely hospital throw-in from Sean Donnellan to put him right in the the mixer. Um, A goal from Sam Bone in the uh, 69th minute for Maidstone to get them all three points. And um, yeah, you know, I've I've banged the drum enough on Torquay, so uh, I'll leave that for another pod. But uh, yeah, really good win for Maidstone and uh, disappointing for Torquay. Yeah, below them are Worthing. And what was a, 
it's fair to say an eventful game down there on the Sussex coast. Two red cards forward in two straight red cards. Uh, one was for Joe Felix, who had earlier equalised Ed Palmer's opener for Truro City. They then went ahead through Ollie Pearson. It looked like they may well hold on and get a brilliant three points, but it was Ryan Brett who scored in the 95th minute for Truro. Um, so a bit of a signal there for Worthing. Yeah, um, especially to you know concede so early, go down uh, one nil, and then to to get themselves back in the lead and have ten men or nine men as well. You'd have thought you know it'd be the perfect um, sort of comeback, if you will, and to hold out. But uh, unfortunately, they couldn't. Ryan Brett um, got the goal for Truro in the ninety fifth minute, as you said. So yeah, I think that would be um, after how good they were at the start. They've not been as good lately. Um, I see Odai Martin was on the bench for, for Worthing and I don't think they have enough control uh, of the game when he's not in the midfield. Um, so uh, they'll be disappointed with that and obviously losing two players now uh, to suspension. Yeah, as I mentioned in the, uh, in the playoff places, are Avery and Torquay finishing the playoffs there. Chelmsford just outside them. They're a point behind Avery and Torquay. They had a good 3-0 win away at Western Supermare at Hemel Hempstead uh, and St Albans are just behind them. In fact, it's quite congested in, in general. I mean, all the way down to 16th Western Supermare, there's only five points separating Avery and Western Supermare. Yeah, I, I think outside of your, your Yeovils and your Baths, I think it is going to be quite an open league. I think it's perhaps an opportunity for one or two teams to go and get a playoff spot when they perhaps didn't think they would do at the start of the season. Um, you mentioned their good win for Chelmsford on the road. Goals has been the problem for them, but two uh, goals and two strikers, Mo Betema and Callum Jones, uh, two, within two minutes uh, this first half to uh, put them on their way in. As for Tom Angels, Hemel, um, yeah, really interesting game there. Uh, Jordan Greenidge, he's back for Tom Angels and uh, it was a topsy-turvy afternoon for him. He got a goal after five minutes and then got himself sent off uh, with 10 minutes to play. Uh, two goals for Hemel, Brown and Williams, uh, Williams formerly of Bournemouth. Uh, Sean Shields, who has just signed for Tom Angels, formerly of Rainers Lane, that's where they signed him from, formerly of Barnet as well. He got the goal and it looked as if Hemel were going to come away with all three points, but it was a Lewis Gard penalty in the 90th minute. Um, Tombridge, obviously, lots of player turnover in the last couple of weeks. Um, a good 10 players in and out um, collectively. Um, but so uh, they'll be pleased with a point against a team that has started quite well. Yeah, it's fair to say he was on guard there at the end. 2-2 was the score between Welling and Farnborough. Topsy-turvy game there. Dominic Odosanga opening the score. Then Oli Pendlebury, former Aldershot man, who's been up in Scotland at air. It hasn't really worked out for him. He's down at Farnborough. He scored in the seventh minute stoppage time in the first half. Then one of the Bramble family got on the score sheet, Tom Bramble, the Antigua and Barbuda international to put Welling back ahead. And then another late goal, there's a lot of 90th minute goals, especially in the National League South on Saturday. Dan Gifford with the goal there for Farnborough. St Albans and Eastbourne, 3-2 to Eastbourne, a much needed win there for Mark Beard. It was a hat-trick for Zach Emerson who got the three goals there in the second half and a come-from-behind win as well there for Eastbourne Borough. A much-needed win for them, Joe, and a much-needed win as well for 
Hampton and Richmond Borough two on away at Haven, and again they came from behind. Yeah, and you know I start with Eastbourne. I think Eastbourne uh, really struggled this season under Mark Beard. Um, you know they've gone full time, uh, invested quite well during the summer. It's not happened for them, uh, and they'd have been thinking, "Here we go again, conceding after a minute against St Albans." So for them to come from behind um, twice in that game, uh, Dylan Fage getting a, a goal for St Albans to put them two on up, uh, but then two goals from Zach Emerson to complete his hat trick and to complete the away win. As for Hampton, another team really under pressure, and they also came from behind, as you say. Uh, Roberts put them ahead, uh, haven't and Waterlooville ahead uh, in after 10 minutes before Rory Donaldson uh, put Hampton level and then Connor Curran Brown uh, got the winner for Hampton. Uh, I see for Hampton and Waterlooville this time, Reese Charles Cook, formerly of Bromley, last season. Uh, so all he had to do on his opening day game was to pick the ball out of his net. Bottom now, though, having at Waterlooville, and they are in real danger, aren't they? They are. They've had a lot of, um, I think there's been a theme on this pod uh, today, of lots of uh, off-field upheaval. Uh, manager going, Jamie Collins, Paul Doswell behind the scenes going as well. Um, you know, they've got a manager now in King, who um, I think is a good manager for this level. Um, and... He should make. He should improve them. Whether he improves them enough to keep them up, um, that's another question. But um, yeah, I think he'd be really disappointed if they're going to get out of it. You have to win against the teams around you, uh, and so to lose against Hampton and Richmond, they'll be really disappointed. Nil-nil between Slough and Weymouth, and a good away win for Dartford. Yeah, Dickie's just putting haven't haven't. Yeah. It's not really happening for him at the minute, yeah. Slough nil, Weymouth nil. Good win away for Dartford at Chippenham. They were 3-0 up at half-time. Two penalties from Harvey Bradbury and then Brandon Baz, the Montserrat International, adding a third there. Chippenham did pull one back in the second half through Owen Windsor before the deal was sealed by Josh Johnson. And uh, a good win there for Dartford. They remain 12th, Chippenham in 11th. Uh, Joe, anything else caught your eye from the National League South? Um, no, I think it's uh, been quite a, well another eventful week to say the least, and um, yeah, new leaders as well. Great. Well, um, thanks very much for joining us, Joe and uh, Dicky. And what have you got coming up on your off the line blog this week, Joe? Oh, we've got uh, five pieces which haven't been written yet and start tomorrow. So uh, a lot to get through. Uh, we have got a piece on older shop tomorrow. Uh, for older shot listeners. So, um, yeah, check that out. Uh, but, yeah, busy as ever. Rob can read that on his sunbed then. You'll, you'll make him very happy. Hope it's not to predict him to go down, though, otherwise he won't be happy. He'll be... No, it isn't Some, to go yeah, we're down. We're throwing a sun lounger in the pool. Yeah, it's uh, a piece that we were going to put out on Friday uh, praising older shots recruitment, which we have already done in this podcast today. Brilliant. Well, don't forget to uh, give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. We're on Instagram as well. Make sure as well you go to, this may well be too late before it comes out, but if you have voted for us in the Football Content Awards, thank you very much. You, you might still be able to do it. Go to the Football Content Awards and vote for NL Full Time and also Off The Line blog as well. And uh, that is it. Subscribe to us so that you get every episode just dropping into wherever you listen to your podcast. As I say, that Scum United special is out with Dickie. And it's just basically about what's been happening over the last couple of years there as well. So well worth a listen. It's only a quarter of an hour long as well. Um, that is it. Thank you very much for tuning in and we'll see you all very soon. Hold up. 